Alrighty, everybody. Good morning, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're getting closer to that NFL draft, but uh, Wiz and I are going over each division uh, as we break it down. Team needs as we look at obviously a lot of changes that have taken place here in the off season, and, and today we're going to tackle uh, the AFC South. Um, before we get into that, Wiz, uh, a lot of news going around in football, though. We've got the Julian Edelman retirement. We've got Gio Bernard going to Tampa Bay. James Connors signed the contract with the Arizona Cardinals. So there, there's still bits and bobs of news going on. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about a couple of those things before we get into the AFC South and, uh, and wish you a good morning as well. Yeah, good morning to you. Um, yeah, I think... You know, when people see the Edelman thing, there, I think that a lot of people first into instinct is, ah, oh, he's not going to retire. He's going to think about it. A few months, <clears throat> he'll join Brady and Gronkowski back with Tampa. But I, I don't see it. I, I don't really see many similarities between what happened with Gronkowski and Edelman. Edelman's real injury kind of stuff that um, that has just really hampered his play and. You know, he. you look at him, he's not the size of a Gronkowski, and you just can't keep taking those hits, and he's just such a courageous type of player and will catch all of those balls in the middle of the field where he was taking hits, and he played so many games where he wasn't 100%. I just think his situation's entirely different than Gronkowski's. Um, so I would be absolutely shocked if there was any reporting of Edelman uh, going to try and make a comeback and play football. I just think that he's he's called it a day. And uh, look, I don't know how Tampa Bay has done this, but they've resigned every guy just about, with the exception of Antonio Brown. And uh, it's a position that they have a couple of young, good players in, so they're not overly concerned about it, I guess. They, who knows? They may eventually resign Antonio Brown. And uh, the Gio Bernard is just <laughs> talk about a perfect fit for a perfect situation. A guy who's a professional, understands the game, understands what the other team is trying to do on defense. And I think he's going to be a key third down player for the Tampa Bay Bucks this year. Yeah, so, the, you know, the Edelman thing first is, you know, this is a guy that played quarterback in college. He played at Kent State. He, he was not highly recruited, uh, kid out of California, and, you know, turned into basically Tom Brady's, you know, I, I guess a, um, you know, kind of like Wes Welker and Troy Brown, you know, in, in, in this last era of the Tom Brady uh, New England Patriot era, you know, he became the real security blanket for Brady. They had a great rapport. I actually really loved uh, a, a number of times watching the two guys engage together on the sidelines. They, they, I remember a story because you know, Edelman did a, uh, a documentary uh, on Showtime. I think it was last year. It's actually wor- worth it, you know, to see the effort for him coming back from um, from from the last ACL tear. And um, he talked about when he was trying to get in Brady's good graces the first time around. You know, he flies out to California, wants to work out with with Brady like Brady always did in the off season. And it took Brady a while to warm up. And I guess Brady put him, you know, basically put him in his uh, initiation phase. And uh, but Julian Edelman really rose to the top. A guy who caught you know o- over six hundred balls in the regular season. If you include postseason, over seven hundred balls. Almost 7,000 yards, 41 touchdowns. A great career for a guy who wasn't expected to do a hell of a lot, especially at the position. So 
I, 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 my hats off to Julian Edelman and, and what he's done. He won three Super Bowls. You know, fantastic story. Uh, you know, you mentioned Gio Bernard, a very steady presence uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, he's not an every down back. And I think one of the things that Bruce Arians wants is consistency, catching the ball out of the backfield. I think he'll be a superb mentor for a kid like Jock Vaughn, who, who they did draft last year. Obviously, they still have Fournette and uh, Ronald Jones there. But I think he wants more consistency out of the passing game. I, I guess, Wiz, I, I would ask you on 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 Connor, who who had surgery in the offseason because he hurt himself in an ATV um, injury. Um, but we look at a player that that had that great season a few years ago uh, out of nowhere, a guy that's a great underdog story, another underdog story where he, he overcame um, leukemia. Um, and he has really struggled for the last two years to try to move the, move the change for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, you go to the Arizona Cardinals, this is not a run-first team. You know, I, I own Chase Edmonds in a league, so, uh, you know, I'm watching this situation very closely. I still think, I still think Edmonds will be the running back to own here. He, Edmonds is not an every-down back. Do you think James Conner, though, offers a little bit of an opportunity here for the St. Louis, sorry, St. Louis Cardinals, for the, for the Arizona Cardinals to, to actually uh, be a successful component to their offense uh, in in addition to Chase Edmonds in this backfield, yeah, I mean, I think you know, uh, it, it's been it's been tough to decipher. I I've, I have a difficult time reading exactly what's going on with James Conner, you know, because he's been hurt. His offensive line was horrendous. They couldn't move people off the line of scrimmage. He looked a step slow. So there's a lot of mitigating factors here with James Conner. I would personally steer clear of him. I mean, I'd be annoyed. I know you have Edmonds, and you were hoping to have a free, free, uh, clear run with Edmonds as a starter next year. Uh, I think Conner is going to certainly cut into that. But, yeah, I'm not sure what the read is on Conner because of all those things I mentioned. He's been hurt. He didn't look like he was back to his form uh, from a few years ago and then the Steelers offensive line. Now, he's not going to a team that has a great offensive line now either. I'm a little concerned with these signings of J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, and, and, and James Conner. These aren't three guys who have seen their best um, – their, their best playing days. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's curious because this is a young team, right? Uh, and now I know the Larry Fitzgerald thing is kind of bubbling in the background where potentially he's not coming back and it looks like he's not coming back at this point in time to the Cardinals. Whether he retires or not, that remains to be seen. But as you mentioned, these players look like they have better days are definitely behind them. I think we saw that uh, with the inconsistent performances by A.J. Green last year. I think J.J. Watt has struggled to stay on the field for the better part of the last five years. And and James Conner, like I said, the last two years, you know, no interest in really owning that player. I mean, I you know, after seeing what I've seen, I, I it's, a, it's a player that I'm steering clear. And I'm not particularly concerned as, as an Edmonds owner because I just don't feel threatened by it. You know, could he get 500 yards rushing on this team and catch a few balls as well? And, and, and I think we're just in the age where no running back, it's going to be very rare that, that a guy is going to handle 80% of the touches. Now, we, we did see that on a few uh, uh, teams last year. I would say most notably two teams that we're going to talk about today, Houston and Jacksonville, uh, sorry, t- Tennessee and Jacksonville, where 
Derrick Henry handled so much activity uh, for the Tennessee Titans, and James Robinson was forced to basically handle the ball most of the time uh, for the for the Jacksonville Jaguars in that backfield. But it's hard, and, that, and and when you get to a situation like that, it means you you've just been dealing with a lot of injuries. So I'm steering clear of James Conner as well, and I don't feel too threatened by him as a Chase Edmonds owner. Fair enough. I just want to double back one last thing before we get into the AFC South on Ellen. <clears throat> you know, his stats, he really didn't start playing um, full-time. He was hurt at the beginning of his career a little bit, didn't get much playing time. It was a tough lineup to break into. Really just started playing full-time in 2013. But my question to you is, with his performances in the biggest games, um, and the fact that he was a punt returner and and he did a lot of other stuff. <clears throat> Does he ever, in your mind, or the NFL mind, you know, pre- the writer's mind, get get a Hall of Fame consideration? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. I've seen I've seen it debated a little bit uh, since since the announcement came out. Um, my inclination is to say no. That's not to say that this was not, uh, you know, an outstanding player uh, in, in his own right uh, and, and how much he did for the franchise. And he was a significant con- contributor, uh, like you said, to those championships. So I, I think it's an interesting case. It's not it's certainly not going to happen in, in, in his earliest stages. It's going to take some time to get him in there. Uh, I think he'll he'll warrant consideration. I think at the end of the day, uh, it's. It's a tricky one because he doesn't have that, you know, those thousand yard seasons year after year. That's just not. And, that's and not, been, you know, never double digit touchdowns as well. Correct. So, it, it, to me, a very successful and an outstanding player, but definitely falling short. I think of a Hall of Fame career. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so let's get into the uh, the AFC South here, and and I want I want to start with the Houston Texans, and and and. And why I want to start with the Texans is I, I look at this situation, I, I look at the, the nonsense that they've signed in the offseason, uh, Bill O'Brien's terrible trades, uh, the, the, the new coach hiring, obviously the chaos around uh, Deshaun Watson. And, you know, again, you and I have been pretty vocal on this, on, on where we think that's going, and it's, it's not a good direction. And, and then you add to it the fact that you've got next to no picks in this draft that uh, that warrant any kind of uh, significance and I'm just looking at a situation here with the Houston Texas you know and and I look at this team and, and right now this looks like it's going to be the worst team in the NFL and a situation that just seems to be getting worse and worse with each passing day yeah and I'm right with you and agreeing with that um I mean it's, it's there's nothing really there's, there's nothing really to like um their elite quarterback is in all sorts of legal uh, woes. Um, doubtful he'll be playing for them ever again. Uh, they lost their best receiver. Um, their running back situation is a mess. Their free agent signings of Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay and a couple of guys, Justin Britt, is, is okay from Seattle as a center, but I think that was just a one-year deal. And then you um, you alluded to it is they are not picking until the 67th pick of this draft. Conversely, the Miami Dolphins and the Jets, but let's stick with the Dolphins because the Dolphins, in my opinion, right now have one of the 10 best rosters in the NFL. The Dolphins have the 
have so much of a better roster, and they'll be making four picks before the Texans will be making any picks. I agree completely. There's nothing like if you want to make a, a, a pre-save bet, bet that the Texans will have the number one pick next year. It's almost a guarantee. Yeah, and it's just you know we we look at it. You know they need help everywhere, absolutely everywhere on this roster. Um, they they don't their defense has has basically been cleaned out. Um, I, I guess Whitley Merciless is the one guy that's kind of left here, and but he's very long in the tooth. Uh, it's not a great offensive line. You basically lost a guy that kept you in any games to begin with last year in Deshaun Watson. You, I think the only quarterback on the roster right now, if I'm not mistaken, is Tyrod Taylor, who had his lung punctured last year. Um, you know, I know guys like Brandon Cooks are still are, are still there. Uh, Kiki Kuti is there. Uh, David Johnson. But, uh, you know, look, they need help everywhere. They're not going to be able to do a hell of a lot, as you mentioned, getting the first pick in, their first pick in this draft is at 67. They do have a bunch of picks, like, kind of in the sixth and seventh round but by then I mean you're really grasping at straws so it's a it's a poor situation and, and I agree with you they're basically lining themselves up for for the number one pick in 2022 yeah I mean when I look at their needs for next year um it was the only team that I wrote you know basically quarterback running back wide receiver interior line defensive line edge rusher cornerback like they 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 need a whole host of things, and can you imagine needing a whole host of things, and you and you don't uh, and you're not picking until the 67th. You don't have a pick until uh, 67th pick. It's it's not it's not a good combination at all. No, and you, you look at this division, right? Um, we 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 know how Tennessee has played the last couple of years. I think Indianapolis, you know, as long as they get some consistency out of the quarterback position with Carson Wentz. Uh, de- definitely has a, a, a solid roster and a playoff roster. We, we think the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, with Urban Meyer are going to be on the rise, and we're going to talk about them next. So it's going to be tough for, for Houston to win games in their own division. You know, most likely they're staring at 0-6, so it's going to be a tough ride. But, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have a completely different story. They're starting a new era with Urban Meyer as their head coach. Uh, they got the number one pick in the draft. They've got a bunch of picks in this draft, and, you know, you've, you, you've been giddy with excitement with, 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 this, uh, with this draft uh, class to start with, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be there. Their number one pick. Um, but there are other needs here. Look, this is a young defense that got better. I, I know you mentioned, and I think you were right on, like the Miami Dolphins in 2019, the Jaguars were very feisty finishing out the season. I thought they were very impressive, giving everybody a tough time. They were no rollover as the season was wearing on. I felt the young defense was playing better. Some of those picks from last year, like Chase on and C.J. Henderson, were playing well. So I think there's a lot to like here, and you have a lot of picks coming into this draft. And in terms of needs after taking the quarterback, you know, I look at the, the glaring spot for me and it's tight end when I look at this team and to continue to build on protecting a guy like Trevor Lawrence after you take him on the offensive line and building on your defense because like, I think they have a very solid receiving core. Uh, they added some depth at running back with Carlos Hyde to back up James Robinson. Uh, so I do think you, you know if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan there is a lot that you can be excited about and the future is looking much more promising. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I I I really like what the Jags have done in in, in free agents. Uh, Shaquille Griffith was is a is a is a big sign for them. Um, he he's he's a terrific young cornerback. 
<clears throat> Marvin Jones is going to really help that quarter that 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 wide receiver room. Um, being such a professional player, um, really understands route running and is going to teach those guys, uh, those young receivers, and and that's invaluable in my opinion. Yeah, they got Carlos High, but there were a couple of. Uh, there were there were a couple of Rayshon Jenkins is another guy in the safety that's going to help that secondary and and Dwayne uh, Smoot as well uh, defensive end who um, who who's going to give that defensive line um, a little bit of help as well and then you know they're going to take Trevor Lawrence and then I agree you know a tight end slot receiver and then you know maybe even show up that offensive a little a little bit more but uh, I like the trajectory considering how hard they played, bringing in Urban Meyer, and um, and the good young roster with Trevor Lawrence coming in there, I think the Jags are on a good trajectory. All right, now let's look at the Indianapolis Colts last year, who, with Phillip Rivers, made a, made a big improvement. Uh, their, their star offensive lineman for a number of years, left tackle, and we know the importance of that position. Anthony Costanzo is retired, and Carson Wentz is the new quarterback here, uh, which he reunites with, with his offensive coordinator uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles and Frank Reich. So... Let's think about this. I mean, obviously, immediately, uh, they're going to need to replenish that, that offensive line, particularly at the tackle position. Uh, this, it's interesting. This defense actually had a very good year last year, but when you look at it, they, their secondary definitely has some holes. Uh, they don't blitz a lot, and they had some aging. Uh, they basically had some aging uh, defensive linemen, which I think they're going to have to replenish there as well. So what are, your, what are you looking for for the Indianapolis Colts as, as they still look to be one of the better teams in the AFC, as long as Carson Wentz can kind of get back to, I, I would say, uh, not the player he was last year, but the player he was that we saw kind of in 2017, 2018? Yeah, I think the Colts probably felt that their roster uh, is good enough to contend for a championship. They probably should have won that game at Buffalo. Uh, so it looks like they brought the band back together with T.Y. Hilton, Xavier Rhodes, even re-signed Marlon Mack, which was a bit of a sh- surprise. And then the big thing, obviously, is Carson Wentz. Um, he's got to play smarter. He's got an elite offensive line uh, with him now, uh, unlike what was going on with, with the Eagles with those injuries. He has to understand his team's in a different situation. They want to run the ball a lot. He's got to play smarter. He doesn't have to play hero ball and try and make uh, tremendous plays on every play, lift the fight another down. And if he does that and plays within himself, there is a whole lot to like about the Colts. As far as needs, I'm going to touch on a few things you mentioned and something that I feel uh, it could be, you know, at play for them in this draft is, yeah, they they need an offensive tackle. They want to get an offensive tackle. The problem is where they're picking in the 20s, the four or five offensive tackles that are worthy of first-round picks, they, none of them may, may be available when they pick in the 20s. So that's going to be something to look for. If none of them are available, then they'll probably just go for the best player available. But let me ask you this question because I, I was looking at it. Due to injuries and maybe other things, it just seems their wide receivers have been so ordinary these last few years in uh, – do you think, you know, that they'll be looking at and saying, okay, we got Campbell, who we like, but has to stay on the field, 
and uh, Pittman Jr., a player I know you like, I like as well, and T.Y. Hilton. You think, and, and Pascal is their fourth guy, I guess. Do you think they're going to say, okay, that group is good enough to win? Or do you think they're going to go into this draft and say, look, if we can't get one of those offensive tackles that we think is worthy of a first-round pick, uh, we're going to take the best player available you know, with our picks early. And if one of them is a receiver, uh, they may do that. I think they will take a receiver. I'm not sure how early they'll take a receiver because ideally they do want to get another offensive tackle. But, you know, you've looked at that wide receiver, you know, situation closely for the Colts. So what is it? Is it a situation that they're just an ordinary group, you can't rely on them, or do you think it's just a matter of potential and staying on the field? Yeah, so – you know, it looked like at the start of last year when, when you know, Campbell, uh, who's a guy we talked about a lot, looked like he was going to make some noise, and, and he got hurt right away, and that was the end of that. So it really took a step back. We, we know uh, T.Y. Hilton is near the end of his career, though though he did seem to bounce back a little bit as the season wore on. I, I'll tell you that, you know, I think the X factor here is probably Pascal, who ended up catching five touchdowns last year, um, and most of them were at the end of the season. And he started to catch the attention of the coordinators. He ended up having 600 yards receiving in this offense. I, I'm not stating the obvious here where I think, I, I definitely think that, that, you know, the kid that they drafted last year is going to be the, Pittman Jr., that is, is going to be their number one receiver. And, you know, he had a great game in that playoff game, as, we, as you mentioned before. So... I think there's enough here. Will they add depth? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be pressing in the first round unless one of those guys that that's of of elite talent um, drops down for some unknown reason. I said that would be the only reason that they would go that route, I think. Uh, but otherwise, I think they would fill this in in the later rounds um, if they can. Uh, because I do think there's some confidence there in kind of how they finished out the season. I think the biggest thing for Paris Campbell is he's got to stay on the field. And, you know, he's a little bit slighter as a player, and, and that's a concern when the, when these guys can't stay on the field. Pittman Jr. Is, is not the case. Same thing with Pascal. They're bigger guys, uh, bulkier guys. We know T.Y. is small. T.Y. seems to be hurt nearly every week. I think that's been the case the last five years. I don't have a lot of faith in him overall, but like I said, he did finish the season off strongly. So I do expect them to take a receiver, but only unless one of those bonafide guys drops down to their slot, which is at 21, that they would take something like that. Otherwise, I think they're going to wait and, and, and pick their rounds and, you know, whether it's two, three, four to add some receiver depth. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I, I just think they're going to try and get that one. You know, that, that'll be something to look for. See if they get one of those tackles in the first round. If not, um, it could be a bit of a scramble for them, but uh, but they have their nucleus back, and um, there's no reason that they shouldn't feel confident. All right, so let's go off to the Tennessee Titans here, uh, and the Titans have been the class of the division in the last couple of years. Ryan Tannehill has turned his career around. We know everything that Derrick Henry's done. Uh, they've got a lot of catches uh, to make up for losing, especially Corey Davis and what he did last year. Uh, John Smith is no longer a tight end. And, uh, you know, you've worried a lot about the workload of, of a guy like Derrick Henry. Um, I think this is a secondary that needs a lot of help. Uh, I think there's 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 a lot of places that the Titans could could use some depth um, and tight end will be an interesting spot to see what they do there. I know they still have Anthony Fersker there, but to me, it looks like you need to replenish your receiving core 
in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a tight end or a receiver. I think that defensive backfield needs a lot of help. It's old, and it's not that good. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the Giants picked up uh, Addery Jackson, so that, that's a big pickup for the Giants and, a, and a, a distinct loss for the Tennessee Titans. So for me, it's filling out those spaces at the skill set positions and the, and the defensive backfield. How do you see it for the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, I mean, at first, I think we need to address what they did in the in the in the free agent signings. They got one of the prized possessions of the free agency, and that was Bud Dupree um, coming off a, a bad injury. But that being said, having one of these guys that can get after the the, the opposing quarterback is 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 uh, you know invaluable. You can't even describe how important that is. And uh, you know, assuming that he you know, can get back, may take another year or so to, to get back to full strength. But even him at 70 or 80 percent, uh, he's a terrific player. So that was a, that was a, that was a great one. They re-signed Jayon Brown as well as linebacker, and he's a different type of guy. He's more of a cover guy. So that's a good combination. I'll tell you what I did like. I like that they signed Danico Autry because that's like a double whammy. You get a good player, and then you take him from the Colts. So that's that that's a – that that's a that's an important one, and then you know Josh Reynolds. To me, they they also got some you know Jenkins and Kevin Johnson in the secondary, as you mentioned, talking about that. But Josh Reynolds is an interesting player um, who never really got a chance to play like full snaps. Uh, unless Cooper Cup was hurt or they were running, you know, t- uh, 12 personnel, and then he seemed that he was getting more playing time than Cooper Cup. So him and the combination of Josh Reynolds and A.J. Brown are, are very interesting in the sense that they're both big physical receivers that are, are elite at the 50-50 ball. Now, uh, A.J. Brown's probably one of the top five to seven receivers in, in the NFL right now, but Josh Reynolds is a good signing. He's a big, physical, strong receiver, and now you're talking about, look at these two guys that you have a receiver when you want to run the ball. It makes a lot of sense. But to me, sticking out like a sore thumb for the Titans is a slot receiver. And I believe they're going to try and address that, and not only are they going to try and address it, I would not be surprised if they did it um, in their first-round pick with a player like Elijah Moore out of uh, Ole Miss, who happens to actually be a, uh, a former college teammate of A.J. Brown's. So, to me, yeah, another you know cover cornerback um, to get another edge rusher opposite Bud Dupree. But when I look at the Titans, they desperately need a slot receiver. And do you think Fersker, you know, can he hold his own? I mean, because he definitely had a few games, especially when, when John o. Smith was out of action last year. I mean, they'll need to add some depth at the position, but do you think he can hold down the starting position in the NFL? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think he's, uh, I, you know, I think that's a situation, yeah, that the Titans, could they address that at the draft? Yeah, I think they could definitely address that at the draft. But I think you know when you when you look at them, the tight end position they they're they're happy with a guy that can block a little bit. Uh, he's you know not going to be a, a big volume guy at the position. And I'll tell you, I think you know with this combination of Froxka and Pruitt and, and Swaim, I think the Titans are going to think you know okay maybe we're okay here. Maybe we'll draft a tight end at some point. But uh, I think their priority is slot receiver an edge rusher and, and, and cover cornerback in that order. 
Yeah, because you know we I didn't mention it, but Adam Humphreys is also one of the receivers that they lost uh, on this roster, and he he couldn't really stay healthy the last couple of years. A lot of problems with concussions, uh, in, in addition to losing Corey Davis. So I, I do agree they're going to have to add to that, and and it's a spot that's very critical in this offense. So yeah. I definitely agree there. All right, fantastic. All right, all right. So that's the uh, that's the AFC South. We will be back with uh, the AFC West next, and wrapping up the AFC Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're subscribing. We're going to keep keep you guys updated all through uh, leading into the draft. And uh, yeah, next up AFC West. So Wiz, talk to you in a little bit. You got it. Thanks a lot. <laughs>